Assalamu alaikum. I'm Khalil Alika. And I'm Zahir Parker. And welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com. So, AccidentalMuslims.com is a, a movement, a platform where we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. And we believe that everybody has a story to tell. This podcast hopes to add value. So, welcome and enjoy. And this evening, we have someone amazing, someone really special as well, Yusuf Daniels. Welcome. Waalaikum salam. How is it? Okay, okay. And Amir? Waalaikum everyone. Waalaikum salam. Let's, let's get straight into it. Who is Yusuf Daniels? Yusuf Daniels is a young kid that grew up on the Cape Flats in Bridgetown to Mitchell's Plain to Surrey Estate and further on who's just basically a dad of three now just living his best life and just trying to be that liquor daddy for those three kids and just that liquor person. And then how did, it all, how did this all start? I'm, I'm going straight into it, right? Uh, but maybe before that, yeah. what school did you go to? Tell us about your childhood. How was your school? Childhood school? Yeah, I okay. up on the Cape Flats. Yeah. Right. First school, Cypress, no, Pigview Primary, Bridgetown, right? That was, uh, I was small, so I can't tell you much there, but besides the two girls that used to chase me in the quad all the time, <laughs> that is what I remember there. Then the next school was Cypress Primary, also further down the road, and then um, from there I went to Mitchell's Plain. That's where a lot of this book is written. Uh, uh, from my Mitchell's Plain, Lisbeck Primary School days. The cover of the pick on my book is basically the cover of Lisbeck Primary. Then I went to Lentahia High School because the other school didn't have standard 7 or grade 9 like uh, the millennials are saying now, grade. And then from Lentahia to Portland, I from Portland I to Oakland's Eye. And um, yes, I finished school at Oakland's Eye. So uh, I just had loads and loads of fun at school. So a lot of the school stories are actually in my book as well. So uh, if you know, and I know a little bit more about what went down at school mm-hmm. and my Demakanas, You'll find it in that book. So how were you in school? Me? Mm. But I was a slim lady. Is it? Yeah. Okay. And then I met girls. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then I just, uh, just lost interest in studying in school. I was, I was actually a, very, a top kid. I represented my school at uh, the Maths Olympia at UCT the one year. So I was really, uh, all right. Um, but I was just fun. I just had lots of fun. And we just did a lot of stuff at school as friends. We used to... You know, go to uh, Oakland's, I remember, jump on the train and go to Musenberg for a swim. You know, the bots is around the corner, but also got fair in Musenberg to for a swim. So um, we did stuff like that, you know, and school sports was the highlight of my mm-hmm. <laughs> school career, basically. Mm-hmm. So I finished matric, net uh, net, just made it through matric, and um, yeah, I never studied after that. I just went straight into uh, doing whatever I need to do. And how was it your, your family dynamic? I was uh, one of five, four girls. I was the youngest, so they were abusive sisters. <laughs> and, uh, joking, they were Laker sisters. But um, we lived in a small house in Bridgetown. Grew up uh, one bedroom, or well, two bedrooms. We were in one room, myself, four girls. And then you must get uh, three beds, then the double bunk, you know, one on top, one on the bottom. And then those seven cousins come over, and there's more summa, 42 people in one room, <laughs> you know, and then they sleep at a foot end. And then there's summa, a foot end, you have socks on the side. But listen, yeah, it was, that, that was how we lived, it was fun, eh? we made the best of our situation. And our parents were asleep. So you, you finish matric, now what you do as mm-hmm. a, you know, a matriculant. You know, some people want to study, some people want to work. Yeah. Where, where was your mm-hmm. mind that time? 
my mind was, mommy, I need pocket money every weekend. So that was, <laughs> I was going to know. Um, after matric, I played a bit of baseball. So what I did was, I was quite decent at baseball. I, I made the national team a few times. So I then played up in Gauteng in the winter. And then in the summer I played here. So I got, I got paid for playing a bit of baseball. Um, so I was traveling up and down. Um, and then I also worked like in retail stores, kind of thing. It was almost like in thing back then. Your leg liquor, leg liquor, and then the retail RJL. store. That was the thing. Yeah. Like RJL. No, 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 no. There was no RJL. That it was Acu Joe. Oh my word. Yes. In LA clothing. <laughs> it was not before your time. I was even not young man. Yeah. So yeah, it was used to that. Yeah. RJL. I think no for Vipera. RJL. It's a singer, no? RJL. So yeah. So I was in the retail uh, industry. So <clears throat> I was at a mouth. Always at a mouth. And I, I always, I like people. So I like working with people. And, you know, I would like to sell something. I was always someone who sold something from, in the book you'll see, when I was a kid at nine, I sold berries from the trees. I sold ice blocks. If there was no Kool-Aid for ice blocks, Kool-Aid is that thing. For the millennial. I'm just explaining no, to the millennial what Kool-Aid is. Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. Nailo Safsara. He's too young. I sell it, but cool lady. I sweet, I say cool lady, sweet. So, uh, ice blocks, there was no cool aid. Then I was my mother's milk, going to money, ice tree, and then boom, for cup ice blocks. So I sold ice blocks, cool aid, berries, lukewats. I got you again. Yeah, you know what's lukewats? Alhamdulillah. And then I used to sell marbles. I was good at marbles, I was a hustler. You know, I was always like that. They say, yeah, come play. No, I can't play. Come play. I'll be naked with them. I take your marbles. But I used to sell anything and everything from a young age already. So it was like Before we, we get to your book, tell us about your... How did you start this Facebook account? And now you're probably over 5,000 friends on Facebook. Where did this... I know I, I mean, I'm your friend on Facebook. So I follow all your stories and how you edit that. <laughs> am I right? Am I right? Wait, wait, wait. You said you're my friend on Facebook, Yes, right? yes, yes, yes. Do you like and share? Yeah. Nah. Right, I've got the spot for someone, and now I'm four triple nine. I use half on Facebook. So please tomorrow, I've got 377 people waiting to get in. Yeah, guys, the spot for one. I use eight. Right. So tell us about Facebook. How did You know, it started last year. I was always on Facebook, but I wasn't very active on Facebook. I just enjoyed the reads and this, and I never really wrote stuff or anything on Facebook. Share a couple of things with the kids, this and the other. So. On the 29th of October, uh, most people know the story, but I don't think you know the story. Let me tell you the story. So on the 29th of October last year, mm-hmm. I had a groin injury, right? And uh, from squash, I play league squash as well. So I ended up at Dr. Lin in Plumstead. Uh, he's an acupuncturist. And I was laying on his bed there, and I thought to myself, Bachman. Um, I looked around, and there was toilet roll stacked all over this man's wall, right? Like a one-ply toilet paper stack all the way across this wall. And people asked me, what inspired this book? Actually, toilet paper inspired my book. So I thought to myself, there's no ways I'm going to look at all that toilet paper for 45 minutes. And then I took my phone and then I just started typing the first story. That was the first story on the 29th of October. But I added spice as to what was happening in that room. And I just pressed send. Oh, I'm spelling errors now. So I just pressed send. And there was just a whole lot of likes on there. And people liked. And the next day, I did it again. And then I uh, posted another story. That was the second story I made up. The first story I actually made up. That's the only made up story out of all the stories. And then um, I said, do it again. And same response. By the third story, it was the story Ruthie. Yellow Victor is Ruthie. 
And Ruthie was actually uh, the first story that's part of the book. And then people started saying, Yusuf, yes, I'm laughing so literally. Yes, I'm from Australia, I get messages. Yusuf, you must do a book, you must do a blog. Third post. Third post. In 10 days, I had seven posts. I just went, it just came flowing, and I just started writing, and I was having fun. That's all, simple, nothing planned. Last year, in October, I was having fun. Um, and then my agent now, Natasha, she's a friend of mine, and she said to me, Yusuf, you know what, people are saying you must do a book. Don't you want to send these stories off to someone, uh, like in media, do you know anybody? So she said, she knows someone. So I said, I actually know someone, I'm not going to say where. So then I sent So then I sent it off and to this friend of mine, and this friend of mine said to me, um, you see, do you think you're funny? I said, yo. And she said, I, I actually don't think you, uh, these stories are any good. Um, I'm not even going to send it to my people. I felt bad. Mm. I actually really felt bad. And then um, I said to Natasha, listen, you know, I'm not keen on this whole book. And then you know what she did that same day? She sent it off to Jakarta Media and Sekunjalo. And the funny thing is, their submissions were all closed. Right? They were not taking on anything. This was now into November. Remember? The 9th of October was the first story. Yeah. So this is now 10th, 15th, 14th of November. Something. And she sent off the email anyway. They were only supposed to open this year, March. And the owner of Jakarta Media is a 70-odd-year-old bit auntie. And for some reason, that auntie, well, we know for what reason, Allah, of course, mm. she decided to click on that one email out of a hundred odd emails. This is what the publisher told me afterwards. And she opened it, and the first story she read was Ruthie. And she said, she immediately called the publisher and said, listen, you need to fly down to Cape Town. You need to sign this guy for a book. So Tuesday, the lady flew down. Three weeks into writing my first stories on Facebook. Amazing. And boom, book deal. Wow. Allah is great. Some some yes. No, it's, it's nothing normal about this book. Nothing. And so you only started your Facebook stories last year. Yeah, end of October, first story, and then. Uh, it's not even a year. No, 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 no. I finished the book in a month and a half. I took a week off. I was, I was tired. Writers, was <laughs> book. Super donkey. I got things so much. Yeah. So, so that's so the story. How many stories did you do so far? And and <coughs> tell us. Uh, look, it's a difficult one question, but what has been what has been your most inspiring story? A story that really touched you, and probably a very difficult, unfair question. No, 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 unfair question. I get that question, and 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 they they are. There's two stories that that basically kind of when I wrote it, I just brought back. I, I'm gonna say it's sad memories. It wasn't liquor. It was the one. I'll tell you the one story was at the Saint James Beach where we were thrown off. It's in the book, uh, so you'll see the St. James eviction. Uh, that was quite uh, sad because I, 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 I would watch my aunts and my uncles' faces coming to tell us um, after cops pulled up like crazy, like we were about to rob someone in that pool, and <laughs> told us to basically uh, get out of the water and uh, move, go swim there by Nandi, and the gas stove and alles and we had to pack again and uh, you know just their faces seeing that they for some reason that sits with me i'm not quiet with those uncles unless you can do it all i know they must go answer to allah but uh it just sat with me that's the one and the other one was this was also a story that hit me quite hard because i was personally involved yeah. um i was involved with the south african baseball team from 96 i was the all africa games captain in Arari. Uh, the SA captain, and then in 2000, I was part of the SA squad, the senior squad, 
um, after I came back from Cuba. I came back from Cuba for three weeks. I played there. And I was part of that squad. And I was one of the top pitchers at the time. Um, I'm not saying I was the best pitcher at the time. Mm-hmm. Out of the top 10 pitchers that went with, I was most probably number five or six somewhere there. But it was pretty decent. And they left me, myself and another guy, Ruan Kalitz, of course, mm-hmm. out of that team. And they put two white kids in there that was not even in the top 30 in this country, but because they lived overseas. Um, and their brother was the number one pitcher. They took us out. And there was some deal struck there. And they put those kids in. And that, that is the Olympics. Olympics is a big thing. That is like every kid's dream. That was my dream. And die wat men sê het my dream opge, dan is basically. Mm-hmm. Ons kan so heen, jylle beat my uit nie so. So that, that, that's the other story. That story is also in there. So I mean, you, you started writing for fun, right? Mm. Uh, initially. What do you want people to take from this book? You, you, you know what? When I wrote this book, I was I didn't plan on writing it for any reason. Nothing, nothing, nothing was planned around this book. I just wrote because I was having fun. I didn't think what you're going to think about the book, what you want out of the book. Some people think living colored because black and white were already taken. They love that Ooh, political book, so they milking that whole political side. Guys, this is not a political book. This book is also not just for colors. It is for white people, black people, khaki, brown, maroon, I'm not going to lose the book. It's fine. It's just basically the community that I grew up in or we grew up in, it's how we lived. It's what we did. It is my story. We all have different stories. Everybody has a story within themselves. You must tell your story. Don't be shy. Tell your story. And this is how I tell my story and I loved telling my story. So, so there was no plan on what I want to get anybody to get out of the book. You know what you must get out of the book? Just be Lekker man, yeah. <laughs> I told back there, just be lekker. <laughs> I'm struggling here, just by the way, guys. You're gonna make me so that I'm not all back like this. I'm just saying. So uh, that's all it is. The book is there. Enjoy it. Like, just read and smile. You're gonna smile. I promise. You're gonna laugh even. Um, I tell you why I say that. Because this one guy from uh, Hamza's, a friend of mine, had the book release, and he was laughing so lekker. When I looked again, I was sent a picture with him sitting in an ambulance with oxygen. That's how Lekha he laughed. Now I want you to end up in that ambulance. Enjoy the book like that, please. That's all. That's the reason why I wrote this book. Because uh, I just wanted to get the, the story out there. And, and like I said, I, I, now I realize colored people hasn't had any stories told. Mm. And wow, I told colored people's story. So there it is. One of many stories to come, inshallah. Yeah. Do you have any advice for the youth? Oof, can I get vault here or can I... Depends. <laughs> no, no. Listen, advice for the youth is, you know what, what saddens me is, is, you know what saddens me? Basic stuff about the youth. Little basic things. When you walk into someone's house, not greeting. Mm. Now, I grew up, my bro, if you don't greet walking in, I'll clap your via ita, he said, one time. Right. That's a big issue. I... I see kids at all these top schools. You know what saddens me about these kids? We are like, why? Let me just calm down. <sighs> calm down. These kids go to all these top schools, but you know what? They can't even greet someone properly. They don't know that please and they thank you. These are big kids. These are not even small kids. That concerns me about the youth. What happened to the youth? Why? Is it, is it because I, I think this is just my opinion and I'm, I'm kind of guilty of this also a little bit. Uh, my kids have been to Madrasa, out of Madrasa, been to Madrasa, out of Madrasa, because our lives are too busy, I believe. 
I think we should focus on making time to get kids that, 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 that those things, the basic things that they need to learn as Muslim kids. Or not even as Muslim kids. Uh, anybody, yeah. Christian kids also. So it's not just Muslim kids that don't greet, it's, it's kids in general. So how they speak to their parents. If they, let me tell you something, if this bunch of kids now had to speak to their parents that time, the way they speak now, we would have had about a couple of million less kids on this earth. I guarantee you that. Unless I'm all freak. Can I say freak? But uh, that's just how it is. And, and must I tell you where that starts? This, I don't blame these kids. I blame the parents. The parents meet my kids one day. They don't even know you. They all come and argue. They know they must know the uncles. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but teach them all that. But my kids will, Assalamu alaikum, or good morning, or whatever. And they will talk. And they will, they know their place. Um, as big as they are, I'm their dad. I have that inner mutual spirit must come out of me sometimes. And then I just want to say, yay, by the chest. And they know it. So they don't take chances. And they know they need how they need to behave in certain places. There's a place and a time for everything. And these kids need to learn how to treat the elderly, firstly, and just to treat people in general. And I think our kids lack some serious guidance from their parents. This is, like I said, I'm amongst kids and parents all the time. What does success mean to you? You know, success to me is when you're happy with where you are and what you're doing. That, that is basically what success means to me. Do you have any mentors? My mother, Jessie. I always look at my mother and whatever she did. Um, she was she's just one amazing woman. She was that woman that had that factory with that 50 workers in and she hustled and worked through the night, you know, and I was there, I saw it. She would sleep over in the factory some nights because she had to finish those orders. And you know what I liked about my mother? Before she pays herself, she pays all her people. And sometimes she wouldn't even have money for herself, but she made sure those people all had money. So I've learned a lot about my mother, how to treat people, how to be with people. Your workers come first, your happy workers, happy business. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've learned a lot from my mother and just the manner and the way she is with people and that little happy, you know, person. Um, I, I think I get a lot of what, who I am from my mother. But let me tell you something, I've always, always asked, there's two things that sits with me also. I've always asked, whenever I make namaz, I ask Allah for a lot. I've always asked for a lot. And why I ask for a lot is because I want to share. Mm. Right? He's given me this book out of nowhere. Apparently, this uh, this is not normal, this whole book thing, the way it went down. Mm. And then my mother always said to me, and mothers to us are the biggest to us, the best to us. My mother always said to me, my boy, one day you're going to see Rizik and things coming from places you never have imagined. And she tells me this up to today. Every day when I see her, I see my mother quite often. Mm-hmm. She would tell me that same, same words. Enigmatical, you know how mothers are. You just love mothers. My mother's that mother. And uh, Allah accepted her to us. You know, and uh, this is where we are. And then the title of the book, Living Colored. You see, I involve my Facebook friends, and my link of Facebook friends. I involve them in everything around this book. So I said to them, guys, I need a title for the book. And there was about 400 and odd people that gave me titles. And actually, uh, another guy and my ex-wife, they came up with the living colored part. And I liked that. I just clicked. I saw, clicked. I said, I like this one. Right, living colored at the beginning. Then I chose the bottom. Mm. Actually, the publisher chose the bottom part. 
or some other name. And then they said to me, Yusuf, they called me, they said, Yusuf, I was with my daughters in the car and my son. They said, Yusuf, we're not feeling this bottom part. Can you come up with a title for us? Whilst I was diving, three minutes later, my daughter and I were throwing like titles around. Within three minutes, I said to her, because black and white already taken. She said, Dad, I like that. I said, do you like it? She says, yes, Dad. I said, then that's it. I called them. I said, guys, immediately, this was three minutes later after they told me. I said, guys, because black and white already taken. And they said, oh my gosh, Yusuf. She shouts there, guys, black and white already And she says, Yusuf, they all got goosebumps. Because that title was just, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a great title. Um, like I said, nothing about this book is normal. Everything is unplanned. There was nothing, nothing planned about this book. And it just, everything just fell into place, basically. But like I said, we know where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Once you put your faith and your trust in your creator, he will guide you. It's uh, as simple as that. And I can feel, you know, when I wrote those stories, so um, I, I would almost always I wrote after Fajr. Yai, Mark Fajr. And all these stories basically were written while I was laying after Fajr on my bed. And I look up to the ceiling and I look at the trees outside and I start typing. And 14 minutes later, story done. I don't go back up. I just say, send to Natasha and to our two friends, uh, Charlene and Kelly from Joburg. They're very close friends of mine. We used to fly together. I was a flight attendant, by the way. And nice. they would just tell me, Yusuf, quite story. And this is how it went. 40 minutes every morning. After that, I would just write, write. And I ended up 30, 30 odd stories, like in two months. Mm-hmm. So while, while people might, for example, look at your cover and try and unpack the elements of the cover, color yeah. and uh, what it means and the symbolism you, you're telling us a very different sort of reasoning here it's, it's more authenticity it's more you being raw and uncut and unfiltered what advice would you give now to someone else who's also wanting to write their story okay so you said raw uncut unfiltered yeah. i call it normal <laughs> <laughs> yes that's simple. There's one word for it. I call it normal. That's just who I am. That's how I grew up. This is yeah. Yusuf. People that know me, they know this is me. Because they said to me, yeah, they flew some up, national TV. I said, but I couldn't help it. I was being normal. So that's who I am. But you know what I've realized? Like I said, I am no great author or writer. I've just written my first book ever. I can tell you uh, one of the reasons. One, there's a few reasons that may, makes, that's make, makes this book successful or the success that it's reached so far. And I've said to you already where it started. Um, but one of the reasons is don't try and change who you are when you're writing. Whatever you feel or think comes through, put it on paper as it comes through. Don't like, like I said, don't make a raw, raw book. You're gonna, yeah. I told you I get hurt already when I start writing. So don't change that. Just be you, be real. People like realness. Every second person comes to me and says, You should, yo. This is so real. This is, I can relate. So write stuff that people can relate to. You know what I mean? Don't try and be too clever. Don't try and overthink things. I find that, sorry, why kids don't like to read these? Because I, I honestly think they get bored. Mm. So spice up your book. Do something interesting in your writing. Um, have a bit of fun. There's way too much sadness going on around. So I'm saying to the future writers, I'm not saying stay away from the sadness. Yeah, sadness is sadness, but time be like also. Write some fun stuff. There's plenty different fun stuff you can write about. So, so get that out there. Make the kids want to read again. This is this is the plan I have. I, I want to try and get this book into um, 
yeah, I've got a meeting with the, the department actually, mm-hmm. um, and they asked me to come out. And they, this is what I want. I want this kind of book in the syllabus, in the set work uh, sort of setup of the schools, and 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 let kids come back to reading. Do you know how many kids read this book? Every other day, I get pictures of parents sending, "My son just read your book. He doesn't read, but he loves it." You know why? Because it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's it's like interesting stories. You know, and and I mean, we loved interesting stories back in the seventies and eighties. So. You wouldn't know, Jason. Not <laughs> yeah. You know what? I don't harp too long on the past, or I get over stuff fairly quickly. So, regrets in life? I do actually have one regret. I've never shared this with anybody. Nobody knows this. So, you guys are the first to hear this. My one regret in life is I have not studied GIFs. I would have loved to study GIFs. Um, that's most probably the only regret I have in life. I listen to these boys recite and sometimes I stand in mosque and, and I listen to these boys recite and I actually close my eyes and, and I, I picture myself standing there. And you know what? I said to myself, maybe I should try. Yo, it is difficult just to memorize an English one-liner. Um, so, inshallah, you never know, but, but the one regret in my life is most probably that. So you talk about Hibs and you talk about Fajr and Quran. Let's, 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 let's talk about Quran. Do you have sort of a favorite Quranic story? Yeah. My favorite Quranic story is Prophet Yusuf. He's Yusuf and Joseph. Right, so the Prophet Yusuf story for me is my favorite story because firstly, your namesake. And my, my ex-wife's granny, Mela Granta Janas, she's not with us. She used to always tell me, Oh, Yusarsif, my Prophet Yusuf, you are so handsome like the Prophet Yusuf. She would tell me that every day, you know, because she kind of... And, and that just also sits with me. She was such a lovely woman. And she would tell me, so she, she, she started getting dementia. So she would tell me the same story ten times the day. Now, they had nobody had patience with her. But I would sit there and I would listen to the story ten times over. And she would tell me the story of Prophet Yusuf. And uh, this is why I really love that story so much also. Because Hajima used to tell me this beautiful... Oh, she was with such passion every time she told me. Like now, 20 minutes later, same story, but with the same passion. And also, you know, when you read that story, but the trials and tribulations he's been through, and, and no normal person would get out of that. I'll tell you that. Now, my life has not been rosy either. I've been through... I would never say similar things to Prophet Yusuf, but... For our, in our life, I've been through similar stuff. I've been through ups and downs in life. And to a point where there was points where I didn't know where the next meal was going to come from. Um, and what I'm going to feed my kids. So, and I'm not shy to say it. Because this is life. Don't act like it was always great. Or if it was great, Alhamdulillah, that was meant for you. And, and I don't feel bad that you had a great life. But this was my life. I've, I've believe me. And most probably this is why I can tell so many stories. Remember, this is the first book. I've got another four million stories sitting up top in this head now. Um, and believe me, I have a lot of stories to tell. And there's sad stories, there's happy stories, there is, like I said, what I've been through. So, so the Prophet Yusuf story, I hold dear, that's dear to my heart. Because I've read it so many times and, and I, I always sort of compare myself to Prophet Yusuf and, and what he's been through. And, and you know what? Um, he came out on top, alhamdulillah. And, and for me, this book and what else is happening around me now is... I'm not saying I came out on top, but it's just a great place to be in right now. So, alhamdulillah, yeah. 
And what happened the fourth Friday? Number one. No, we were not number one. <laughs> the books were all sold out. <laughs> the books were all sold out and there were no books to sell. So they count, they check how many books sell for the week. And the sad thing is my publishers, I don't think I saw it coming. Nobody saw it coming. So I don't think we were all prepared for this. So boom, we bounced back to number seven the following Friday because there were no books. I think we would have made number one if there were books, for sure. But like I said, Allah said, Bach, Meklong, Nogio Taiti, or Stola Tabichi, it will come when he's ready, not me. Or when we're ready. And you know what? They, um, the second print came on Monday. So the bookstores have a lot of books now. I'm hoping that people went and bought. And then um, what happened is uh, then it did exclusive bookstores. First week, number one, number one, all exclusive bookstores, certain bargain bookstores, number one. Um, and it was just, uh, it was just crazy. I did, I did just feel having that book in your hand, seeing that book for the first time. You know Take what? Through that. I, I still don't feel, I must be honest, eh? like I said, I've never written before. And it's sad, like some authors most probably will think, hey, did Larry Klum, you know, what does he know about writing? And I'm sure they think that. And some are genuinely happy, like he knows nothing about writing and he's number one all over. And I don't think, I, I honestly feel almost sad that I don't appreciate it the way they would have appreciated it. To me, it's a book. I don't make too big a deal about it. It is an amazing, amazing feat. I feel great about it, don't get me wrong. I love how the community supported and other people, not just the community, other people, people are supporting this book all over now. And people are flying books overseas and I hear this all the time. But I genuinely don't know how to act to it. All I know is very humbling. I get people greeting me and I get you seen on TV now. And that kind of things, you know what? That is like, to me like, oh yeah, I was on TV. That's not a big deal for me, but I feel nice about it, you know? And, and, and I love how people are just engaging with me now more. Uh, it's always easy to talk to. And some people say, yeah, I thought you were sturdy, no? And my mother says, no, hello, right? Uh, it's the hair thing. Nah, yeah. So what, what humbles you? What, I mean, what, or who humbles you? Because, um, I mean, you say people like in selfies of you and people with photos of you and on TV. How do you manage that? So how do you manage that? Like, you're, I mean, like, more celebrity now? Yeah. Do, do you know how I manage that? I, I, I genuinely, when I go sit on my musla, I, I ask. I said, you know what? Keep me grounded. Just keep me grounded because things like this can get out of hand. I, I see people, I've seen it. Uh, people just get carried away with something and they don't know how to handle it. And my, I've got people around, surround yourself with, with great people, with good people. People that will keep you grounded. Um, I've got a few friends that, like last night, I just felt so busy and so it was so overwhelming. Everything was just happening. And, and I told myself, wait, I need to switch off, go watch a little bit. My friends, some of my friends play squash. So I went to go watch Nadir and uh, Riyadh play squash and a couple of the other guys. And, and then I relaxed and I could feel. And then there's my kids. They ground me. Because they make me feel like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm just that like a daddy. Mm. That's it. You know, nothing special about me all the time. My ex-wife, when she scouts on no one, then that makes me feel grounded. She must scout. That's all right. That's normal. And, <laughs> no, she's actually like a, she's like a, like a person. And, and people like uh, Natasha and Nasreen and uh, Nasreen and a few other people I can mention. They really, they, they tell me, yes, Yusuf, it's great things happening, but they always, oh, they always tell me, we must just stay humble. We must stay humble. But I think mostly, you know what, what you ask, and, and Allah knows where my heart is. And most people that know me, well, what kind of heart I have. I, I, I'm going to stay, inshallah, this way. Uh, I'm not going to over 
think things too much. I'm not going to think too far ahead. I'm going to basically live for today. Cool. Okay, so Allah is? Hafur Rahim. Love is? Fahastai. You can't ask the third question. I laugh. No. Just give him time. Please give him time. Give him time. <coughs> Question number three. The world needs liquor people. Happiness is what you make of it. Uh, being a Muslim to me means just be liquor again. Leadership is when you actually have people following you. You see, what are you most grateful for today? Today, <coughs> that I am here, sitting, breathing, that I have um, <coughs> made a difference in people's lives, that I have three was gifted three beautiful kids. And that I am, like I said, I am still on the path of just trying to make someone else's life better. Final words to, to your community, to you know your Facebook friends besides me, and <laughs> to everyone who supported you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to everyone who supported me and still supporting me, I say shukar, thank you to everybody. I appreciate it. The community appreciates it. And you know what, let me tell you something, this book, would have been nowhere if it wasn't for Allah first and this community. So this book is not me. There's nothing me. I just wrote or well, tried to write. It's all about these lekker people that basically put me on the map. It's as simple as that. And just bloody stay lekker, please. That's all. Okay, so shukran so much. Um, we appreciate you. Have fun. Thanks for joining us, the, the community. We're actually the Muslim community. May Allah barakah in your work. I mean, I mean. It's on Facebook with us in your books, with us your next level work. Whatever you do. I mean. So that's it for today's show. We hope we added value. We hope you enjoyed it. But most of all, we hope our guests inspired you to live with purpose. Don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com. If you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember, feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamu alaikum.